0: Everyone has a story, and more and more people are preserving, celebrating, and sharing their life stories through Legacy Videos. What are Legacy Videos, and how can they benefit you and your family? You'll find answers to these questions and more here in the Legacy Video Lounge podcast. Now here's your host, award-winning Legacy Video producer and president of Family Legacy Video, Steve Pender. Welcome to the Legacy Video Lounge podcast. In this episode, Tucson news reporter and magazine feature writer Elena Acoba peppers me with some more questions about Legacy Videos. So without further ado, let's dive right back into the conversation.
1: Um, You've talked about clients who have had pretty amazing stories to tell. I imagine that a lot of people think that their families just have day-to-day stories to tell. They they don't have a Ken Ken Burns topic to make a, a documentary of or anything like that. So, h- how do you appeal to those people who um, really do have stories to tell? They probably just don't recognize it at the moment.
0: Mm, yeah, that's a great that's a great question. You know, when I partner with you to make your legacy video, I'm not really concerned with whether you have like a quote-unquote fancy story. My goal is to help you tell your story. And remember that, uh, you know, the audience for your legacy video is is not like PBS or something. <laughs> I mean, it's it's your family, uh, your your descendants. And I can guarantee you that somewhere along the way, they're really going to be interested in what what you have to say. You know, if they want to learn about the Civil War, fine, they can go watch Ken Burns, but that's not what we're talking about here. Although, You know, we can use all the same kinds of techniques that Ken Burns or any high-end documentarian uses uh, to tell their stories, you know, about great world events or leaders to tell, you know, your stories. I mean, you may not think you're like a star in any sort of way, but you're really the star in your small circle, ah. you know, and, and your stories have merit, uh, you know, you've lived a life of, it, it's really, uh, it's not unusual, say, when it's a situation like uh, where the children hire me to uh, create a story uh, featuring their parents. So, I, you know, I have come into situations before where the, you know, the kids are really high on the idea and the parents, well, you know, they're, they're kind of lukewarm. But time and time again, as, as we talk, as, as we break the ice and I get to learn their stories and they start to get into the process, I don't think there's ever been a time where, where, where this hasn't happened, where it clicks. And they realize they've lived a life of consequence and they have life stories and life lessons that are really worth sharing and and talking about that and it really gives them a sense of accomplishment and of and of pride and uh, and of self worth i think and also i I've, I've run into instances where say maybe it's an elder and they might be a little down on the dumps but as we get into this storytelling process it, it kind of energizes them really because they they get excited about telling their story about helping me you know with materials and things like that so it has these collateral benefits and uh, it really is a great experience all around so i i would i would say to folks don't don't think your story has to be fancy. It's your story, and it has significance, uh, to certainly to your family. And so that's what we're looking at, uh, at capturing.
1: Wonderful. Um, I sometimes picture the benefit of having Grandma show how she makes her cookies
0: as opposed to getting the recipe. Oh, yeah. I think that would be fun. Especially chocolate chip cookies. yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, we can do that too. Uh, we haven't yet done like a cooking style video, but we certainly could. And I've often thought that would be a really fun thing to do. My own personal experience, for instance, my uh, uh, my mother's side of the family uh, is, is Polish. I don't know if my mom just wasn't interested in learning or my grandmother just didn't want to teach her, but she she never really passed along the recipes for things like, you know, uh, Bobka and kroszczyki and the you know, these Polish things, and uh, it would have been nice to to if my mother had learned those things so that I could have learned them, you know, or my or my, or my brothers. So if you if you've got a family cook who who can not not only cook but also can relate stories to the recipes, and we can bring the family history into it. That would be a, a great video or a great chapter in a video or something like that. So uh, That would be fun. So yeah, if there's anybody listening and, and you want to do a cooking video, I'm, I'm all in for it. <laughs> Sounds like fun.
1: Sounds like fun. Uh-huh. So that, that, that's a really personal kind of um, legacy that you might want to pass along. Mm-hmm. Um, th- there are some people who have stories that are very tied to history. Mm-hmm. Um, I would imagine a lot of immigrant families um, came here because of events that happened. How does that get incorporated into a, a legacy video? The, the history of the times mm-hmm. that affect the history of the personal?
0: Sure, well, if you want to uh, uh, kind of broaden out the, the story and, and set your personal story within the, a broader historical context, there are certainly ways we, we can do that. It, it might involve a little extra research on our part you know, maybe to glean some, some facts about a particular place and time and event. Um, and then uh, something that we can use to help visualize these stories is uh, uh, certainly stock images or archival images, uh, which can be stills and, uh, and also archival footage. So there are a lot of sources out there for, uh, for stock footage, I mean, the kinds of things you see in documentaries. Mm-hmm. The, the immigrants landing at Ellis Island in the early 1900s. Or,
1: that's available for something oh, sure. so much smaller than, than oh, sure huge yeah. documentary? Yeah,
0: absolutely. I've, I've used those on any number of occasions. There will often be a cost involved, so I want to be clear about that. Some things you can get for free. Uh, the Library of Congress is a great source for, uh, you know, I've gotten... I think maybe one piece of video through them, but mostly it's stills. But you can you can still get some great uh, art stills or maps and mm-hmm. things like that through the Library of Congress. So that is a great source for uh, free material. Most of the other sources I've worked with, you do have to pay something. But you know, somebody uh, like me producing on the scale that I am, which is for a very small audience, really, mm-hmm. um, and it's not broadcast. Uh, I will. Uh, pay lower fees than you would if you're a, a movie production company or um, or a PBS or broadcaster. You know, so it it is much more uh, much more affordable, and and so we can do great things with that. I recently worked with a fellow who uh, had an incredible history. He's uh, he's living in New Mexico now, but he grew up in in Texas during the um, during the Depression and he was a rambler and and he uh, even as a kid as oh gosh i think he was 10 or 11 he just set off to kind of see the world oh wow his poor parents he hopped freight trains he had stories revolving around that he and a buddy went to new orleans and got Shanghai and spent oh, spent three months on a freighter you know and and uh, before they made it back to the mainland and uh, he joined the army early. Uh, he was underage pre Pearl Harbor, so I think about a year or two before Pearl Harbor. But after Pearl Harbor, his I think his mother got in touch with the army and said, "Hey." But then he served the war, working for the Merchant Marine. Had a couple of ships shot out from under him, and wound up landing on the on the beach during D-Day. And I mean, it was just oh wow. It, his life would have killed me, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but it was a fascinating story, and it was it was just perfect as he told it i could see how we could really make these stories he was a great storyteller to begin with but it, but i could i could really see how he could visually make these stories come alive and i was able to acquire a lot of archival footage and stills that depicted these these times and you know so people riding the rails uh, landing on the beaches and Normandy. Uh, I even found a, a a documentary or a short documentary, I think, from our newsreel about the merchant marines. So oh, we wow. could we could show what the ships look like and, and things like that and and the activity aboard ship. So uh, so that can all be that can all be done. I've I've uh, even on one of my first legacy videos, I was able to dig up uh, footage Olympics uh, footage. Oh yes. Yeah. The uh, one of the the lady that I was interviewing was a husband and wife, and her dad had run in the. He was a runner in college, and he had run in the nineteen twelve Olympics, and he finished just out of the medals. He he had got he was like seasick or something on the way over, and wasn't at his best supposedly. So uh, he finished fourth. But uh, I had uh, written to the Olympic Committee describing what I was doing and just asking out of the blue hey, do you have anything and I, and honestly I was just hoping that I could get some stock footage generally of the 20, 1912 Olympics just to kind of set the scene but they had his race you know and it was no. uh, uh, they had they had three cameras set up so you could see the starting line then they had one camera set up at mid mid track and then at the finish line and, and there was no sound of course but uh, it was pretty cool so we had him and and honestly where he finished even though he was out of the medal, uh out of the medals he was the best place in the screen he was right screen center when he, when he came across <laughs> wow. the finish line so it was it was pretty fabulous to be able to acquire something like that and i was able uh another client years later i was able to get something similar for them for a relative who ran in a later uh olympics so uh Pretty amazing, and I, I have a, a short letter from her saying that that was the first time she ever saw her father run, because once really? once he left college, he never ran again. Makes sense. And so it was it was just so 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 special to her to be able to see that. So there are these little tidbits out there, and sometimes you just have to dig a little bit, and you get lucky.
1: It sounds like that you're able to use your talents and, and your knowledge to find things that could create a, a very satisfying video. Mm-hmm. Um, but what does it take at the beginning? I would imagine a lot of people just have a kernel of an idea that they would yeah. like a family member recorded. Um, what else do you think helps you create that video that you've been talking about?
0: What I look for from, from a client is I, I want to know that they have a commitment to work with me, you know, to really t- tell their story or tell whoever's story it happens to be as best we can. In keeping whatever whatever their budget happens to be, and in a way that honors you and your life experiences, what really makes for a great a great result and and really for an enjoyable experience, and, and especially for me too, is I enjoy working with clients who, who really get it, you know, who understand uh, the importance of, of preserving their legacy stories and are truly invested in the process. You know, there will be some investment of time and effort on your part. Mm-hmm. Uh, helping me maybe with uh, initial research uh, uh, or, or doing doing some of your own um, uh, work in in corralling various elements, you know, like photos or, or you know, I, I have a whole list of things I can give you when I'm visualizing your project as to, as to what we can use, kind of a visuals wish list.
1: Steve, you and I have been talking a lot about um, what legacy videos are, but we never really talked about um, how old they are, or, or when they got started, or how they got started. Can, can you talk about that a little bit?
0: Mm. Well, I, I can't say when the very first legacy video was was created, although I can tell you that I, I created what became my first in, uh, in 1998. Uh-huh. Technology for this kind of a service was a barrier for quite a while. The very first legacy video I created, uh, this was in, you know, as I mentioned, it was in the late 90s, still at that point we hadn't gotten to the point where we are now where we've got you can edit on your desktop you know Um, we were working in multi-million dollar rooms Uh, you know it was all tape to tape there's none of this digital stuff and uh, it was very expensive so you were you could pay if you were if you were going to go to a a post-production house you know you could be easily paying hundreds of dollars per hour wow you know, for editing, and then let alone the cost of uh, equipment and, and and that sort of thing to shoot uh, an interview, and so uh, so the you know the economics really weren't there for quite a while, and that became that began to change in, in the two thousands. So, lower priced video uh, equipment started coming in. You know, you started getting your uh, software and computers started getting to the point where you could start doing editing. And, well,
1: also as important is yeah. we're, we're not just talking about consumer product, but um, professional product that you oh, yeah. could use. You yeah, know, sure. Yeah, sure. Opposed.
0: Yeah, I mean the consumers got access to it finally, so they were uh, so they were able to take advantage of it. But it also became very very important from a professional standpoint. Mm-hmm. Because if I wanted to make a living doing this, I can't imagine what I would have needed to have charged somebody. So I would only be looking at the elite of the elite in terms of, you know, can you afford $100,000, $200,000, whatever it would have been. So it brought our prices down. So then we, you know, I was able to go out and finally offer a service that you know, at least a fair amount of people could afford. I think there's been a growing interest in the um, capturing personal stories. Certainly, uh, there have been some programs. Uh, there's one about roots. And oh, Finding Your Roots. Finding Your Roots. I love you know, that Henry Gates and all yeah. that sort of thing. And so, uh, so that has kind of raised the awareness of the importance of preserving family stories, I think. It still is. Um, a service that a lot of people don't realize is available, oh, wow. you know, is possible. They, uh-huh. You know, they don't make the connection between, uh, you know, Ken Burns and maybe doing something like that for, for themselves or for their family. So I've done in the past a lot of speaking engagements to various groups. Oh, yeah. and so that's one way to raise awareness. And uh, so that education part is still a big a big uh, aspect of of what we need to do, just just letting folks know what's possible. Fascinating. Know?
1: Yeah. Well, I would imagine that historical events of the recent decade, at least, um, is also making people think about how they fit, how their personal stories fit mm-hmm. in in that larger context.
0: Oh, sure. I sent out a. a a holiday or kind of a new year's card to a lot of folks and instead of the traditional card just saying hi how are you happy holidays happy new year i i wrote a little bit about the importance of of uh, during this time in which we're living this pandemic time of uh, you know you may you may be caught up in you know, the political situation, which is crazy, and, and the pandemic. And because of that, legacy may not be top of mind, but think about your, your legacy in stories. Think about your experiences now and the importance that it, that's attached to those stories and, and, you know, record them some way, yeah. whether it's video, whether it's audio, whether you're, you're writing a diary or whatever. So, you know, this is a very unique time. Hopefully, it will not last. <laughs> very much longer but record those stories and uh and pass them along um yeah it's they're priceless and the future generations are going to thank you for that yes that's very true now now
1: you um were quite successful in the corporate world Mm -hmm. um in in your field why did you decide to do legacy videos
0: oh okay settle in (laughs) Well, first of all, I just kind of as a general lead in, I think uh and I don't want to sound too hoity toity or highfalutin, but I, I uh and that dates me as well using those phrases. <laughs> but legacy videos uh and the work I do with family legacy video, I, I really I really look at it like a calling. I mean that's that's the way it is for me. I mean I think doing this kind of work is almost sacred. You know, I come to the field from a direction of gratitude. Uh, I was able to experience the impact that a legacy video had and still has on my own family. And that, and that prompted me to think about bringing it to, to others. You know, and I find it very fulfilling to be able to use my talents to help individuals and families preserve, celebrate, and, you know, and share their life stories and pass along their values to mm-hmm. you know, future generations. And also during the process, a benefit for me is I get to hear a lot of great stories and meet a lot of very interesting people. But gosh, my story, my personal legacy story, I guess what got me into the business starts, it starts way back. I mean, in my childhood, I can remember really being interested in hearing family stories. <laughs> I can remember lying in my bunk bed at night like if my parents had relatives or friends over. And I'd be straining to listen to the, the after dinner conversation, you know and and then when we would get together with with family for uh for holidays what be it memorial day or holiday picnics or christmas or whatever you know one of my favorite times other than of course the food and (laughs) playing with my cousins was you know afterwards when the adults were sitting around and having their cake and coffee and just talking you know reminiscing talking about various people in the in the family and uh that really resonated with me i I couldn't have explained it to you why at the time, but I really, there was a comfort, I guess, involved with it. There was just, it kind of gave me a sense of who this family was that I belonged to. We just passed Christmas not too long ago and I was, I was thinking, well, you know, if you had to think, is there one particular gift over the, over the many Christmases in my case that I've experienced that really made an impact on my life? And there, there was one and it was, um, and I think it also helped lead me on my path doing legacy videos. I want to say it was like 1965, I think I was about nine years old, and I unwrapped this gift and it's a solid state, I don't even remember the brand, I don't even know if it had a brand. (laughs) It was a solid state reel-to-reel tape recorder, Oh. okay? And it was kind of a quote-unquote toy, you know, tape recorder. Blue plastic, I still remember what it looked like. Uh, Came with a little microphone, and uh and one of those little reels of tape you know if you can imagine like the little three inch film reels it was the same kind of deal and we had a ball with that Uh, my my one of my brothers and i uh, would make up our own stories and pretend we were on the radio and (laughs) we recorded so many things on that one reel of tape that eventually we wore it out You you know you couldn't record on it anymore but that kind of awakened a uh, a real love in me i think for storytelling you know i eventually graduated to cassette decks you know when they came <laughs> out saved up my newspaper delivery money and bought myself a panasonic cassette deck and actually the first time i used that to capture family stories i had a, a great grandfather and this guy just he was amazing he just told story the moment you got him in the door and on the she was talking you know <laughs> and singing and all this stuff. Wow. And so I just set up uh, the microphone with the cassette deck and I just let it go one day. Unfortunately, that tape is long lost. I really wish I had it, you know. I was young and foolish and didn't realize the importance of actually labeling things oh, yes. and saving them. Years later, I had gone into the video production field and I enjoyed it and I learned how to tell, properly tell a story uh, visually. And I remember thinking one day that, you know, I really like doing this work, but is there something more, you know, is there something more I can do with it? There was still this question in my mind. I didn't know what at the time that might might have been. So let me bring in my, um, at the end of the story, my grandmother, uh, my my dad's mom, uh, Alice Rita Morrissey Pender, Okay. And she was the family historian, storyteller. She knew where everybody was, what they were doing. So I kind of at her feet growing up. I, I heard a lot of great family stories. And so we got into the mid-90s. This is about 1996. And I, I realized, you know, this little voice started telling me, she's not going to be around forever. I was incredibly lucky I'd had her in, in my life for that long. I was the eldest, first of all. I didn't mention that I was the firstborn of my particular generation, so we had a special bond. I think. Yeah. And I thought, well, what could I do? Because there were all these younger kids too, you know, younger grandchildren, nieces and nephews. They would never know her the way that I knew her. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, duh. You know, I'm in. I'm in the video production business. Let <laughs> me see what I can do about this. And luckily, I had a really great uh, relationship with one of my corporate clients they actually lent me the, the equipment to record an interview and I uh one of my colleagues who worked there also as a freelancer as well uh he came to to shoot and do the, do the camera work and so we got my grandmother up to my apartment in New Jersey in Clifton New Jersey one day and we shot about an hours worth you know I didn't go in with a huge game plan I just wanted to have her talk about the people certain people and and the stories that I'd heard Growing up, mm-hmm. I got busy again, and and so oh, no. I put the interview up on the shelf. And it was two years later that the same same little voice started talking to me again. Said, "Get, get this done," you know. So uh, I finally decided, yes, let's. Uh, I set aside the time. The same client let me edit at their facility, which is something I also would not have been able to afford at the time. It turned out to be about a half hour video. My fault. I didn't show it to her in time, she died. Oh. And uh, so that's a regret that I'll always have because I think, boy, you know, when I think about being able to sit down and share that with her together, it would have been a great memory to have and she would have enjoyed it. But it would have been an even greater regret had I not
1: done, not it. done it.
0: So uh, the first time the the family, uh, the bulk of the family saw it was at the repast, you know, following her funeral. So I I can only tell you what a roller coaster of, of emotions you know that day was, but it, it was a celebration. It was a real celebration, and I was able to give people copies on on the way out. And since then, I've transitioned it to a digital format, even mm. put it online with a link for family members and things like that. So it's still accessible, and I still get comments to this day about how people have enjoyed it and what it meant to them. And now you get these these kids or some of them weren't even born yet at that time now we're talking over over 20 years ago now who are being introduced to her through this video in addition to the stories the content of the stories i mean her personality just really comes through so that ingrained in me the value of that kind of a service but at that point the economics just weren't there Mm -hmm. My wife and I, in the year 2000, we moved to, here to Tucson. You know, we were just looking for a new start in a place without snow. <laughs> <laughs> and this fit the bill. Now, we arrived here in the fall of, of 2000. Next year was 9-11. Well, you know, all those lives lost, stories lost. And that started me thinking again about possibly starting some kind of a business around this. And yet I wasn't quite sure how to approach it because I wasn't sure people, you know, I could find people willing to pay what it would really cost to do a quality product. And so my first thought was maybe I could put something that's a DIY product together. So do-it-yourselfers could could have some guidance. So eventually I did that. So started Family Legacy Video in August of 2003, essentially to sell that do-it-yourself CD. When we got that do-it-yourself uh, guide to what they call the beta stage, where you're kind of testing it and making sure it works, I uh, I had by that time joined a Rotary Club in town, the Catalina Rotary Club. Got to get their mention in, and I thought, well, why not have if there's anybody that's got interest in this sort of thing, how about giving some of these people discs to test. And then, you know, I made them the promise that if they, uh, once they kind of gave me their reviews and maybe some feedback, uh, once we get the final done, then I would give them, you know, a copy. So I got a couple of people in the club interested in doing that. And uh, one of them was a, a an engineer, great guy, retired. Uh, and he came back to me with some, some good feedback. But then he said, you know, it's a great guide, but... And my wife and I really would like to do something like this, but there's no way we're going to be able to do it ourselves, so can I hire you to to do it for us? And so then it kind of came around full circle. I said, okay, maybe there is a market for this sort of thing. So that's kind of where it all all started, and we've been doing that ever since.
1: I assume that you also... Over the years, because you have been doing this for a long time, that um, you've uh, adopted new technology. You were mm-hmm. talking about the drone, for instance, mm-hmm. that you used in Italy. And I imagine, you know, better processing and, and, and all those things that go into keeping a business up to date.
0: Oh, sure. Absolutely. We, uh, uh, you know, I've been through a <laughs> number of computers by now upgraded the editing software and uh, so I have, you know I'm really comfortable with what I have right now. Um, I'm able to use it to turn out a really high high-end uh, product. Another important thing I want to talk about is, uh, that just came to mind. Once we finish a video, how do you get it? You know when I started the business, DVDs were the big thing. That was it. But more and more these days, folks are watching on various devices. So we uh, uh, we also deliver on uh, very nice USB drives with video files, and so everything I've done uh, always comes in very nice packaging. So even with the discs, you get full color printing on the disc and, oh, wow. and the yeah. and the package itself. And now with the the drives, we always do nice and you know, engraved uh, drives and. Yeah, you, know, you can also get them in storage boxes. Oh yes. Yeah. So you know it makes for a very nice deliverable you know, physically, and then of course on top of that you get the uh, uh, get the video. The point I wanted to make with that, if you're hesitant about a project like this and one because you're wondering, oh gee, how am I going to play it in ten years? Mm. There's always a way to migrate from one format to another, oh. and I've done that over the years.
1: Well, as I'm sitting here listening to you, I can I can hear the joy and excitement that you have in creating these videos and and listening to the stories. Mm. And I just wonder what if you've been able to identify the one one or two best things you love about doing
0: this work. I always strive to produce legacy videos that that don't just meet but kind of go on beyond clients' expectations, to really give them a wow factor. That really floats my boat. You know, when I <laughs> when I can. Um, creatively edit a a particular story or segment or or, or something like that really brings a story to life. Maybe bringing in certain stills that the family wouldn't have expected or archival footage, things like that, uh, that really help bring a story to life. That for me is, it makes it really, really special. Something that was really cool. One client I worked for, they were out in in Santa Monica, California. There was a husband and wife. They had originally met while they did some acting early on, and, and they were doing commercial work. And we're kind of of the same generation, so you can remember cigarette commercials, oh, right? Oh yeah. They'd gone to Hawaii, and they were doing uh, commercials with a, a surfing theme, and they met while they were filming these commercials. <laughs> and I thought, wow, can I can I track those commercials down, because what a thing that would be. And I actually was able to find, like, a commercial archive at some point, and they had a couple of those commercials. So while they're talking about that, there's the husband on a surfboard in this commercial and there, and there's the wife lounging by the beach. Those gems are really, they're out there sometimes. You just need to look. I think the other thing, at least for a brief period of time, you become part of the family. Oh, yes. (laughs) Which is pretty cool, too, you know.
1: You have so many memories of, all, of your clients. How many of these videos have you done?
0: I'm sure we've done a little over 100 of these by now.
1: And, and are you able, do you, do you look through your say bookcase or your video case and have memories of, of each of them?
0: Oh, sure. Yeah, I, I can I can pretty much remember each and every project that I've worked on. I also wanted to mention, we've done two that, that really weren't in the video-only realm. Another fellow from my Rotary Club, and he said, well, my mother has these three photo albums. You know, in a lot of families, one person becomes the keeper. And so these photos, people forget what, what's there because only one person has these things. And she had these three family albums, pre-World War II and... I think some of the stuff was from the the late 1800s here in Tucson. But they were were falling apart, and they wanted to find some way to preserve those. And, And what we did was we actually transformed them into print books. We scanned everything. We scanned the covers, we scanned the individual photos, we scanned the pages, scanned the front and the backs of the photos in case the photos had notations on them. And then we did print books that looked like slightly smaller versions uh-huh. of those albums. So now they could distribute them through the whole family. Wow. We also gave them digital files of each of the pages and each of the photos. So they, so, uh, they have that material going forward. So that was, that was a very neat project. There was another one that was kind of a hybrid. And then the husband's side of the family, they had emigrated from Scandinavia. I think it was uh, Norway. They were able to get a a land grant down in the prairie in southern Minnesota and eked out a, a living there. Real tough stuff at the beginning. I mean, they were, they were living in sod houses and oh, my. in the fullness of time, they eventually established a farm there, built a house and, and a number of generations of their family uh, lived on that farm. But they'd reached a point where now the, the last generation that had memories or had actually interacted with that farm in some way were really getting on in years. They're in their seventies, eighties, et cetera. And they wanted to capture those stories. But it was interesting in that they had a ton of photos. Hmm. They had a lot of documents. They also wanted to record video interviews. They also wanted to do something digital so that it would be accessible for the younger generation. So a print book was kind of out. And I thought, well, you know, we're not really going to be able to fit all these photos and documents into a video and do them justice. So in talking about doing something that was really custom, I floated them the idea of why don't we do uh, a website treatment Oh, wow. But not a website that would live online, a website that we would put on a drive that they could then plug into their computer and and use through their browsers. And they liked that idea and that's essentially what we wound up doing. And so now they have access to all that material so they can watch videos. They can go to photo galleries and pull up photos and, 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 and we also had pages with text that talked about the history of like sod houses, how you'd build a sod house, uh, things like that, and the history of the family that came over from from the old world and what they were going through over there. and so uh, it was a pretty cool project. So uh, you know so we can do, kind of do a wide variety of things. So if you're sitting there listening, well, yeah, but we got this stuff and it's not really going to fit into a video, well, call us anyway, because <laughs> you, know, you never know what, uh, what ideas we might be able to, uh, to come up with.
1: That's you amazing. Know. Very flexible. Mm-hmm. Very flexible. Mm-hmm. Um, so as you know, I have a journalism background and there's mm-hmm. an old saw in journalism that everybody has a story to tell. You just have right. to know how to get that story out. Mm-hmm. How does that play in your line of work?
0: A great way to answer that question is to go back to, I've I've got a quote from Mark Twain, Mm. and he said, quote, you know, there was never yet an uninteresting life. Such a thing is an impossibility. Inside of the dullest exterior, there is a drama, a comedy, and a tragedy, unquote. That really resonates with me because everybody does have a story. We've all experienced triumphs and tragedies. Yeah, joy and sadness, successes and failures, love and loss, and you know, and hopefully learned all sorts of lessons along the way. And, and that's true of famous people as well as regular folks like you and me. So even if it's not now, I can guarantee you that at some point, your children, your grandchildren, generations to come, are going to want to know what you are all about, and they're going to enjoy... And really benefit, I think, hearing you tell your stories in generations to come. If, you know, they didn't have the benefit of knowing you in the flesh, they're going to get the next best thing, which, which is hearing you talk about your life stories firsthand. So sometimes you just need someone to kind of draw those stories out, to give them a framework and a format, and, and then to usher you through the, the storytelling process. And that's my passion, and that's my mission with Family Legacy Video.
1: Thank you very much.
0: That wraps up this part of our discussion, but Elena will return in our next episode to question me in depth about the Legacy Video production process. That ought to be fun, and I hope you can join us in the Legacy Video Lounge for that conversation. Until then, feel free to email your questions or comments to info at familylegacyvideo.com. That's info, I-N-F-O, at FamilyLegacyVideo.com. And I invite you to visit Family Legacy Video's website at FamilyLegacyVideo.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us in the Legacy Video Lounge. If you'd like to learn more about Family Legacy Video, feel free to stop by our website at FamilyLegacyVideo.com. And remember, every family and everyone has a story. What's yours?